Haven't spoken to in a while. I certainly hope that he is healthy. Uh, his name is Henry Sheinkoff, Sheinkoff Communications, a guy who's worked on some of the most prominent campaigns in the uh, political landscape of yesteryear, mainly the, the Clintons and the Bloomberg deal and everything else. He's uh, as knowledgeable as anybody uh, and a great guy. Henry, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you. Still working, still having a great time every day. Healthy, I hope, sir. Feeling wonderful. I'm uh, very fortunate, you know. Everybody, I, uh, I'm really lucky. No, no, uh, no problems, and neither does anybody else in my family. But I wish uh, health to everybody who's had any problems and is uh, on the way to recovery, and and, uh, and sadness for those who've not been so lucky. No question about it. Let's get into a couple of things. You look at the polls. Uh, I'll get right into it. You know, uh, it's it, it, it is on. The game is on, and you look at the polls and. You know, Hank, you know me for a long time. I'm not a big poll guy uh, because there's so much time still to be had here, three and a half months uh, till we get to the uh, the big day. Uh, but, you know, it, it catches attention when you have double-digit leads and everything else and the incumbent uh, trails in so many different polls. Uh, and also I look at approval ratings, which is somewhat alarming here. Give me your assessment as we speak, when a guy like Henry Sheinkopf looks at numbers of that nature, what is your assessment? What is your mindset when you look at stuff like that? Well, look, you, you have to look at where he could, where it is important to win, and if you don't, you could lose the election. And so you have to think about electoral electoral uh, college votes and the heartland, um, but Pennsylvania. Let's get right to it: Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan. Um, let's say Wisconsin is icing on the cake, maybe um, Texas. Texas today, which is kind of interesting, and um, and Florida. So putting that in some context, uh, he's not he's not going to win. Uh, Trump is not going to win California, Newark, unless uh, Mars and Saturn collide. Right. Uh, that being said, what else happens here? He's uh, not doing well in Florida right now. He's not doing well in Texas right now, which is shocking. He's not doing well in Pennsylvania. He's not doing well in Michigan. Um, Ohio's uh, not not great. He's got serious trouble, but he's, you know he's also got Joe Biden to contend with, and that provides him some opportunity. But I saw an ad that the Biden campaign had done in uh, Texas, which was shocking to me. I'd worked in Texas a lot over the years, and um, that they're even advertising online there is pretty extraordinary. And the message was very good, and it was well shot. So should you should Joe Biden break out the champagne? The answer is no. Um, but we got a long way to go here. So with that being said, and I said this many months ago, uh, I think Donald Trump will be graded in the 90 days leading up to the election. And when I say that, how? Well, the coronavirus, uh, how does he embrace it? How are the numbers? How would they look as we get into the fall season, uh, flu season combined with COVID? Where are we at with that? You know, so I, I do feel that is still at the top of the charts when one looks at things, especially when you cite a state like Florida. OK, Florida is a red state, but look what is happening down there. As far as COVID, Hank, it's alarming. You have a governor very much aligned with a president who's not handling the situation right. That being said, 
I have said the last couple of days, be careful. When one talks about the defunding of police, when one shifts from going very far left, it's a flag to me. It's an eye-opener. Joe Biden goes down that slippery slope. Uh, I think that could rival COVID as far as what is on the voters' mind come November the 3rd. Do you feel that way? It's very complicated. I think you're touching on some of it. Look, the last time we were together, I think I said to you that you could be in the countdown really from July 1st to thereabouts, whether this thing works out badly for the president. Um, the disorder in the streets is something that people uh, across the country have reacted to when we, we've seen this occur in other eras, and certainly when sites Nixon and the, the sense that things are out of control, which gives you uh, Reagan, and the sense that things are out of control, which gives you X, Y, or Z. I mean, it's constant thematic in American politics, and when that occurs, people tend to respond uh, appropriately. The question is, in the modern media age, where social media has tremendous uh, derivative impact, and the campaigns are more expensive because this is what he used the last year for direct, last, last couple of years for direct mail and, um, and related kinds of print materials. But the, the, the soft underbelly here is what people really feel about their own lives. And you can rest assured the Biden campaign has done pretty dramatic uh, psychosocial portraits of the American electorate. And what they're finding is that the American electorate is very frightened. And in that fear, becomes much more conservative in some ways. The streets are the problem for Joe Biden, yeah. and the and the hospitals and the and the unemployment lines are the problem for Donald Trump. So when you do that balance, who wins? Don't count the president out yet. It's not over by a long shot. Uh, listen, I agree, agree with you a thousand percent because it comes down to safety, whether it's COVID or whether it's just protection. And you look at and what's happening in around the big city. You're not seeing it. You're not seeing it. You know, to me, it comes down to leadership. You're not seeing leadership, obviously, in New York. There's no mayor to speak of. And as far as I'm concerned, I thought the governor is dropping the ball as we speak. He hasn't really come out with anything regarding what he's we've seen the videos. We've seen the video of the cop in a chokehold last weekend from yesterday on the Brooklyn Bridge. A guy getting hit over the head with a stick, a police officer. Are you kidding me? So it comes down to leadership and people start thinking about this, Hank. They start thinking about their own safety, their families. As you know, COVID is important. Don't get me wrong. Because you can certainly make the case you're not seeing great leadership when it comes to tackling the coronavirus right now. Where is the White House task force? Not to be Anthony Fauci in the press. I mean, you're talking about division here. So I think when it comes to safety, you have to throw in the mix as far as what you're seeing in and around the nation. And that's why I say to Joe Biden, be careful. Be careful how you speak regarding this. It, it could have some... Uh, uh, some uh, some ramifications, and not in a positive but, way here. Um, the, 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 that's, there's a lot of truth to that. Look, again, when, whenever we've been together, we've talked about party politics. There is There are no real parties in this country anymore. What we have is the, the Republicans' coalition is much more, uh, much more easy to manipulate because it's more cohesive, it's uh, geographic, it has a religious component, um, and you have the Democrats who are very difficult to corral. We're going through a period of, uh, of even, it's worse than even identity politics. It's become 
absolutely balkanized and atomized. That's the best way to think about it. And you have a, an, an element within the Democratic Party electorate, uh, led by uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that really doesn't want to win the election. What they want to do is they want to lose the election and create a, create a movement in the streets if they have to, to force change as they see it. And everybody in this country who's a little bit on the right sees that very carefully. The Trump move used to be run against the Congresswoman Alana Omar, uh, who's an absolute hater of this country, uh, and uh, an AOC, who I just mentioned, and uh, Congresswoman Taleb, and probably Congresswoman Presley, and now the others who are who she's AOC has helped to elect by raising all kinds of money. To say that she's a, a blue collar of Dynamo is, a, is an absolute lie. She's a rich girl from Yorktown Heights, Westchester County who went to an expensive university, the kind I could have dreamed about when I was a kid because we couldn't afford to do anything. Um, so uh, it's shocking to me. In other words, the great con job is on. The question is who's got the better con? If Donald Trump can make people believe the Democrats are dangerous and that they have, uh, they cannot run the country and that they've, they've uh, gone out of their way to make sure that he couldn't control the crisis and he can find a logical enemy for everybody to hate, then he likely can win the election. But if it's down to performance in managing these crises, both the economic crisis that was unnecessary and the, uh, the, the COVID crisis that could have been handled differently, then he, has, uh, he won't be reelected. That's the difference. Who's more afraid of whom? And that's what this will get down to. And no question, but you know, you bring up AOC and the effect and the progressive nature overall as far as the political landscape. It's almost like a disease. You can make the case. I mean, were you shocked at all regarding Elliot Engel as far as how he came uh, came out uh, in the in the primary? I mean, that that you know, to me, uh, th- that is a derivative of uh, of uh, Ms. Ocasio Cortez in in her voice and how she has permeated uh, from what Democrats middle of the road, far left right now thought process well, I- regarding Engel. Um, I predicted that Engel would lose, and I was wrong. I was right on that one, and I thought that uh, that that the Reverend Diaz would win that election in the South Bronx, in that uh, Bronx district. That I was wrong um, because I just you know I didn't think about the number of people that are breaking up the vote. Um, but you know, look, we live in a time of tremendous change. What does that mean? We always live in a time of tremendous change. The only thing that's that's constant in American politics, and certainly urban enough suburban politics, is uh, is uh, change and competition between groups. So that competition is out of control. There's no way to manage it. The uh, federal government has done a lousy job for a long time of revenue sharing. Um, New York, the Amer- America looks like uh, the America coming back was a brilliant idea for Donald Trump in uh, 2016. But the argument the Democrats have is that what he got now that it's back, and the argument the Trump Knicks have still is the same one. Look what you could get back to. Uh, it's pretty clear, and that, that distinction is a, the, the radical distinctions here means that there's no middle. So you see an America in real trouble, um, and I think the Democrats have an opportunity to make an argument not just about COVID, but our standing in the world, uh, and, and tell the truth, which is if this continues, I may not be here to see it, but uh, people will be eating hay on their tables if you lose control of the, of the Mediterranean basin, and you see NATO go out the window, and the Chinese are on the prowl. But uh, he's not handled any of those situations well. The, the disintegration of NATO, the uh, Chinese uh, incursions into the South China Sea, 
threatening our, our security agreements with, with nations throughout that area. We are very weak. We've never looked weaker, probably, I would guess, since before the Second World War. Uh, and we have no clear uh, definition as a nation. With that, we have chaos and all the other things. That doesn't bode well for the president. It's the Democrats to screw up, and they'll figure out a way to do it, probably. Does it bode well for Joe Biden comes September, end of September 1st, the three debates? If the numbers hold with the polls, uh, and if you're part of the Biden group, are you frightened as far as what will be coming to the table as far as the first of three big ones here? Does Biden lose the election because of the debates, saying the wrong things, gaffes, gaps? I mean, how much emphasis is right now as far as Joe Biden and making sure he's up to speed come these three debates? How vital is it for Joe Biden to do well here? It's very vital. Look, going back in history, people people somehow believed the world began this war when they woke up, but it didn't. Bill Clinton beat the first Bush. Why? Because the last debate was so critical. And the comments that Bush could not explain the economic conditions that people experiencing it had no appeared, although he was a very, very decent man and a true patriot, George Bush. He could he seemed not to be responsive or be able to relate to the problems that people were facing economically, and, and Bill Clinton drove that point, he won the election. Why is it even more critical today because out of those debates? It's simple. Social media makes everything much more immediate, so you'll see people at computers watching this carefully, and when there's a blip, they'll be on the computers. The targeting will be very, very, very good for Trump, and they'll be able to push that information out should there be one, one glitch whatsoever. And Biden has much more writing in that way. Why? We expect Trump to be entertaining and bombastic. Um, what, what Joe Biden's got to be in every way is a principled, unflappable leader who can make no errors in a time when the country is on the precipice of real disaster. They're not insignificant and they're structural. Uh, the Trump tax cut made them worse. Uh, some benefited at the great expense of a lot of others. And the economic things that people are complaining about the inequality is not insignificant. I mean, it's real. So you put that in a pot. What you need is somehow to distract yourself if you're a voter. And entertainment does that. So in the entertainment quotient, give that to President Trump. On the substance quotient, with long-term solutions, Joe Biden's got to do it in a way that looks exactly clear, that looks exactly proper, where there's no room for error. And that's a problem. Think about it. No question. Last one, uh, Henry. Uh, we look at a little bit of a shakeup on the Trump team. Uh, Brad Parscale out, the campaign manager, demoting him, elevating Bill Stepien into that role. No secret, uh, the president has not been happy with Parscale. You know, you look at what happened, the fizzling of it all at a rally in Tulsa on June the 20th, that Saturday night, although maybe a TikTok uh, type of situation involved there with a prank, who knows? You look at, uh, uh, and I'm talking about empty seats over at the BOK in Tulsa. You look at what happened in New Hampshire, wasn't meant to be. Maybe there was a little trepidation as far as getting him involved and maybe more embarrassment coming. Um, do you look at this as uh, maybe a turnaround or uh, is it a pattern as far as what's to come, as far as future Trump rallies 
are concerned. I mean, right now, you got to be thinking it's real. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe the guy's not walking on water anymore like he always has. Uh, well, what happens down the road? Do, does he get back to the immense crowds around the block of arenas and stadiums wherever he goes? What do you think here? It's instructive to read Katie Turr's excellent book on her experiences as a correspondent covering Donald Trump in 2016 for NBC News. The, the rallies people don't understand were almost a lifeblood to Donald Trump. They allowed him to do what he did best, which is to be an extraordinary entertainer on a very large stage in front of a significant number of people for whom the experience was a pleasant one. Um, so in the era of COVID and the number of people who are getting sick every time he has these kinds of rallies and they're not a significant number of people, um, it's going to be tough to do that. So the Internet um, and other forms of communication are going to be very, very significant. Having, with that being said, the smart move here was to, was to dump Pascal and to get in um, somebody who actually knows how to run campaigns. And they picked a the guy who could actually do that. And he's come, he did it very well once or twice, you know. Um, and he's, uh, he is part of a, the new generation of institutional operatives within and, and people who participate in the Republican Party. That's a good move. And let's see who else shows up. But getting someone who knows how to run a campaign uh, was a wise thing for the president to do. Does that portend to change the structure? Likely so. Very likely so. And that's what it's all about. You know, when the coach loses his voice, as I always say, change is a needed. Always great to have you, sir. You stay well. Keep staying healthy. And uh, I look forward to the next conversation. How's that? Have a wonderful day, you and all your listeners, and continue to and safety. See you soon. You got it. The great Henry Shankoff and uh, the great company, of course, of Shankoff.